In this episode, I talked to another software engineer, but before then, he was a bioengineer. He moved from London here to the Bay Area. He just has an interesting story, interesting mindset, smart guy, I respect his hustle. And this is episode 20 with my guest, Toby Ogunake. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is John Salangsang. I'm the host of the Work Talk podcast, where you get to enjoy, learn, and be inspired by the stories of the people in the Bay Area, uh, what they do for work, what they know, and who they are. This is kind of a tech-themed month. I've got another software engineer who was referred to me by Josh, who was on my episode, uh, shoot, I can't remember, I think 17. And Josh was a former recruiter. Now he's a learning and program development manager. So shout outs to Josh. And he referred- Josh is the plug. He is, man. How do you know Josh? <laughs> I, didn't, I, never, I didn't find out. How do you know Josh? Wow. So I, I, I technically met Josh through Alco. But I actually like added him on like Facebook and LinkedIn before I met him, and then it was funny because I was at a rhythm. So I went to Rhythm School, which is a boot camp, right? And uh, Rhythm School had a partnership with Alco at the time, and they would have happy hours every fourth Friday. So I was just literally just at the happy at the happy hour, like trying to get pizza. I was like, oh, that's the guy I added on LinkedIn yesterday, and that's how I just met him. And like you know, this was probably like a year ago, and then I met some of his other friends at Alco. And we've just been really good friends since then. So it was really <laughs> random, but like, yeah. And like I've been to his house many times. He's been to my house. Uh, yeah, we're good friends. Hey, you guys just clicked from there. And then you joined, you joined Alco? Uh, I went through the Alco uh, program. Okay. So I did Alco after rhythm school. Um, and I was doing Alco for a month. It was like evening classes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then if you could cool. exp- explain to the listeners what Alco is. Cool. So Alco is like a, essentially a software. It's a it's a school that teaches software developers how to get jobs, and there are two components to that. There is a component of like, okay, how do you pass a technical interview, and then there's a component of how do you, like, how do you talk to recruiters? How do you do a phone screen? How do you present? How do you uh, apply to jobs? How do you you know all the other non-technical aspects of uh, of of uh, getting a job. Yeah. So they they basically yeah. yeah it's Alco is super useful. I mean I tell every I recommend Alco to everyone who I know is looking for a job in tech. Like like some of the stuff they they tell you might sound obvious, but uh, I think it's very it is very useful, especially for me. Um, like one of the biggest things I took from Alco was like the whiteboarding sessions. Um, for the tech, for the technical I, interview, yeah, for a technical interview. So uh, what we would do is that we would break up into uh, groups of like three, and then um, you would have one person be the interviewer, one person being the interviewee, and then the last person is uh, giving feedback. And Alco is very like cautious to make sure that the third person is actually intentionally making the effort to give feedback. It's not like oh you're just listening. No, you're actually paying full attention, giving everything your all. Um, And like some of the feedback I got was super valuable for me. Um, And being able to just like get that feedback really early and then being able to like work on that thing that is not your strength. Mm -hmm, And then over mm -hmm. time, I keep getting that feedback was super useful for me. Um, That's what's up. I I think a lot of software engineers, so you kind of know my story. I'm a college career counselor. And when I worked with a lot of software developers and we kind of prepped them Mm -hmm. for the interview, I mean, it's a, it's a stereotype. I think there are software, not all software engineers are 
are people who don't aren't people person. But I think yeah, <laughs> it is important to know that the technical <laughs> is important, but also the interpersonal skills too. Yeah, for sure. Shout out, shout and, out to Alco. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely had people in the class who were kind of skeptical about the non-technical curriculum. They probably felt like this is not important. But I think at least some of them over time got to see like, you know, this stuff actually matters. And this stuff is you're actually going to interact with this stuff in your day to day job. So code is only one part of the job. It's not everything. You know, you're going to have to work with people, you know, on an island. So um, <laughs> I mean, it's just reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not in an island just working on something by yourself. You eventually interact with people some way, somehow, whether it's in the job or even to get the job. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Relationships are, like, the biggest thing. Like, well, it's it's a huge part of, you know, the whole interviewing process. Um, yeah, so being able to, you know, make those connections, follow up, you know, like, keep, like, whether it's cold emails, whether it's like LinkedIn, whether it's just, you know, um, meeting people at events, that stuff is really useful. Um, that's essentially how I got my job. So, uh, and I know a lot of other people who got like a lot of interviews uh, through through that uh, hustle, essentially. Yeah. Well, how, what ways did you meet people to find your job now? Oh, wow. So I did a bunch. I did cold, I did cold emails. Um, I literally emailed people that I had no idea who they were. I would check out their LinkedIn, their Twitter, their uh, websites if they had. Um, I also met people at events, so in person. Um, I asked people to connect, if, if there was a mutual connection. So let's say, you know, you know Joshua, I don't know Joshua. I, I would sometimes like email you to like put me in contact with Joshua and then try and do a phone call. And the city is San Francisco. So a lot of these people are in tech, right? <laughs> so I would just ask people casually, like at the end of the game, oh, by the way, like, I, I know, just like, do you know if anyone's hiring? Or sometimes not that, not sometimes I wasn't that direct, but I would just, you know, let people know that I'm looking. And some people just say, oh, by the way, you know, I, I don't know, my wife is a recruiter. Like, you know, uh, let me send me a resume. Or, you know, I literally sit across from the person who's running that program, uh, send me a resume, and I could, yeah, you just went work. out there and put the work in. Just meet people, cold emails. Yeah. That's what it takes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you have to try a bunch of different um, approaches. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm, sure I, jo I, I, I'm, I'm sure Josh would be proud because I met Josh at a presentation at City College of San Francisco where he gave his tips on finding a job, which was to find the person's email, to use LinkedIn. So everything you're telling yeah. me is... I'm sure Josh would be proud. He'd be like, that's what's yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not useful. Like, I, I remember when Josh, one thing Josh said in one of our outro classes was that sometimes people feel weird about adding people on LinkedIn, but the entire purpose of LinkedIn is to have more connections. That's the <laughs> only reason why LinkedIn... So it's like, why are you skeptical of adding people? That's why LinkedIn exists. It's right. literally to grow your network. I'm right? laughing because same thing people tell me is, I don't want to sound creepy, but I'm like, this is not Facebook where people yeah, have exactly. a private account. These, this is LinkedIn. It's like go. It's giving you permission to stalk them because they wouldn't be on. I don't want to use stalk because that's a weird word. But you yeah. know what I mean. They wouldn't be on LinkedIn if they're not open to talking. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. cool. Hey, I want to jump into your story just because I think you have an interesting one from not just you know 
physically moving to different places to eventually come here to the Bay Area, but also your background in yeah. bioengineering bio first, and now you're in software, yeah. and then also you write, you, I'm not sure if you still do, different scientific articles, so I'm just yeah. like, shit, I'm like, what's up with this guy? This guy's kind of cool, so <laughs> if you could kind of tell us like, yeah. your story, and then we'll kind of go from there, man. So my background is like varied. Um, like I studied chemical engineering in college. Uh, I went to school in, in, in England. Um, and chemical engineering is, is a discipline that's very, very broad. Um, there's a joke that chemical engineers don't really know what they want to do. So they study chemical engineering. And like, you know, a lot of students who are in the degree, we literally just, we did the degree to some extent because, you know, like, you wanted to do something that's technical, you're good at math, you kind of wanted options, but you weren't really sure what you wanted to do in the future. It's not like like CS, people who typically study CS, they typically want to be software engineers or maybe UX designers or um, you know product managers. Like you can see the, the, the goal they want. They can see the end goal from what they study. Or like someone might study nursing, they most likely want to be a nurse. Chemical engineering, like I could give you a cross section of all my friends, and they're like in 20 different industries. There's people working in like food, there's people working in like chemicals, there's people working in energy, in transport, and like um, there's people working in investment banking, in finance, very, very broad. Investment banking? Yeah, yeah. I have a friend who's working, my close friend, she's working in tax. Like we finished oh. the degree and she, she like did a three month like course and then did an exam and now she's working in like tax. Yeah, it's just very broad. Um, right, right, that's so, interesting. Like, I knew, I knew like I, I, I wanted to do something kind of technical. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. So I tried different things. So my first actual internship was at a chocolate factory, which is obviously very different to what I'm doing right now. Um, but I, I, I was interested in like manufacturing and like, you know, um, the whole like, uh, I was at the time, like the whole digital like robots, you know, everything like being like forward thinking and like, how do we make things and how do we make things efficiently and how do we produce things? How do we make sure things are safe? Um, that's kind of why I wanted to work in that industry. And then I worked, I was like, okay, I don't really want to do that. It was cool experience. I learned a lot, but I don't want to work in a factory um, longer term. Right, right. And then I had another internship at a solar power nonprofit. Um, again, very different. Uh, both of my parents worked in energy, so I was like, okay, cool, energy might must be interesting. But I wanted to work in like renewable energy as opposed to like oil and gas. Um, and I tried that. It was a smaller company. Again, learned a lot, but I felt like that wasn't really what I wanted to do longer term. Mm. And what and would then, you like? What, what kind of stuff were you doing at that place? Uh, which one? The at the non. The, you said the nonprofit. The, the so renewable the non energy. I, like what kind of work yeah, did so, you do? So I there it was a it was a short internship. I did uh, I remember I, I wrote a I did a bunch of research and I wrote uh, some articles to basically try and help convince people who were trying to go solar about some of the different options they had. Because um, at the time there was like a there was a, there was a groundswell of people who are like who thought like solar power was cool, but they didn't really know their options into how they could actually go solar. And like what the economic um, options, like incentives were in the different states. So that was more like essentially like a research type, research and writing type of role. Right, right. Got it, got it. Um, 
yeah, so that was cool. That was interesting. Um, and then I went back to college. Um, and then I had this class uh, about biotech in my final year. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with biotech. I, my teacher was amazing. I was learning all these really cool things about how people could like program life. And it, to me, it was the coolest thing in the world. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna like pursue this. Um, and then I did some research in, in, in school, you know, and I was really getting getting uh, acquainted with it. And then I said, okay, cool. Uh, when I leave college, I definitely want to work in biotech. Um, so I said I, was, I went to school in England, but um, my family um, basically lives in, is, is like based in the US. So I, I was planning to move to the US um, after graduating. Um, so then I, I came out here, uh, I came out here to the Bay to like look for jobs in biotech. That was the initial goal. Um, ideally wanted to work for a startup because I wanted to feel close to the mission. I wanted to feel close to, you know, like what we're, I wanted to feel close to the problem that we're actually tackling. I felt that I could grow quicker in a smaller environment. Mm -hmm. um, I take, take on more responsibility over time. And I got, I got an internship um, and I was doing that at a company called Perfect Day Foods. Um, and I did that for about six months. It was super interesting in some ways. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I basically hit what I like to tell people was my uh, mini quarter life crisis. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I say I, I exaggerate; it wasn't a real crisis. Like I was fine, but I basically um, came to a point where I figured out that I, I realized that the work I was doing my day to day was not the, the kind of work that I envisioned myself doing. Like it was very like there was a lot of monotonous work I was doing. There's a lot of frankly boring, like manual work I was doing. I felt that certain parts of the job, I was not like um, challenging myself. Like yeah. I wasn't- What, like, was, what kind of stuff would you do? Like I was working in the lab, right? So, and if anyone who's worked in a lab, especially a wet lab, like a wet biology lab, knows there's a lot of like manual boring stuff. Like you need to, okay, you need to measure, okay, you need this amount of liquid, then you need to go and like suck up all the liquid and then move it from here to there. And then you need to go like get this other chemical and put it in there and then you need to wait and then on and on and on and on and on and on and on forever. It was, I mean, I really, really applaud people who work in labs. <laughs> honestly, I, I don't think anyone could pay me enough to do that long. Like, don't get me wrong. I still think the mission of the company is really cool. I still think that um, they're doing important work, but I think the key thing I noticed was that, um, the day-to-day -day work was not work I wanted to do. And, mm, and I, I see, think that I was see. the important thing. I never really thought about that before. I was more like, I was, I basically fell in love with the mission of biotech. I was like, this is so cool. And, and you're, at that time you're writing articles about it too, right? And what you doing? Exactly. Like, you're doing like presentations or you're like a mentor and stuff too, right? Yeah, I was mm. I was basically trying to make sure I was volunteering. I like yeah, you're all in. You're you drank the Kool Aid. Yeah. You're in it. I I I literally I I was drunk on the Kool Aid. <laughs> I was drenched drenched in the Kool Aid, um, and I think one thing I didn't realize as well is I didn't realize the time scale. So, a lot of the things I was really excited about, in hindsight, it's obvious now to me. But at the time, I wasn't uh aware of a lot of things i was really excited about were going to take like maybe 10 15 years to happen and what actually changed my mind was i i went back to, to nigeria for christmas uh in 2016 december 
And I went back and I saw a lot of my friends, like who I grew up with, like one of my friends I've known since I was five years old. Um, and they had like they had gone to school in the US and they went back to Nigeria and they were building tech startups. And I was like, wait, this is really amazing. Like you guys are we're all the same age, you know, like we grew up together. And they do they they were they they had sufficient skills to be able to do something so bold, and they were able to essentially like do stuff by themselves and i thought that was the coolest thing so like i would ask them questions like oh like what is this like what are you guys building like like what does it even mean to program like i just yeah. ask them little questions yeah. and over time i said like, okay cool i'm gonna i'm gonna try this programming thing um i had like um like two years before that i had done like some online classes like uh in 2014 where i like made like a static website for my sister's wedding mm-hmm, uh, just like mm-hmm. pictures of our family and stuff but then I, I did it up to a point and then I went back to college and I was like, I was so busy with college, like coursework. I just didn't uh, follow up with it. Yeah. You're too busy being drunk on your biotech. Exactly. Yeah. Too busy on that. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then, yeah, when I came back December, uh, January, 2017, I was like, I'm definitely going to try this programming thing. Seriously. I'm going to like try it. And then what I did was I went to, uh, First Step Coding. Uh, so First Step Coding, they are like a pre-boot camp boot camp. What that means is that they are like they offer classes over one month, and they're for people who think they're interested in programming but don't want to like invest all the money to actually go to a boot camp. It's basically like validation to see if you actually are interested. That's good. Yeah, because um, some boot camps are pretty expensive for a lot for some people. That's like a few yeah, G's no. for some. Yeah, no, they are. We could we could talk about that later. Yeah, they they are expensive. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I said, okay, I'm gonna do this thing, and then I absolutely loved it. I like, for, like I was I was I was captivated from like the first first class. Like I was like, oh my god, I'm using my brain again. Like this, I'm I'm challenging myself. Like you know, I'm I am I I have a brain and my brain is being used. It's supposed to me doing like really manual monotonous work i was actually challenging myself it more and more excitingly um i was also seeing the progression really quickly i felt i felt like the like in programming or at least at that time like you learn new stuff and you could just apply it and you could like see what it does yeah quickly i think that's the thing about it is you could see your work being done right after yeah and you can like see the progression it's like basically like yeah, you see the results so quickly. It's like going to the gym like twice, and then you already have like you know some muscles, yeah. biceps, and it's like what? <laughs> and it's like how did how did this even happen? Like I, you know, um, so it was it was it was uh, really captivating, and I was like, I'm definitely going to do this. So um, that was I, that was like right away for you, yeah. Yeah, I was mm. like, you know, I'm I'm sold. I told my family, I reach out to people, I reach out to friends, and every and everyone got feedback, um, eventually ended up quitting my job because I wanted to go to a full-time uh, boot camp. Um, I spoke to a bunch of different boot camps. Um, I decided on rhythm school. Yeah. Uh, how how was that transition to quit the job and then go to school full-time? Like, was it like an easy decision for you? Because I, I feel like most people that I talk to who make that transition, yeah. for some people I know it was pretty easy for them, but for most people, it's a, it's a hard jump. I mean, at some on some level, like once I got sufficiently into programming, um, I felt like I was going to do it. 
Yeah, it's like breaking um, up with a girlfriend. Yeah, I, I just like it, this, I was like, this has to happen some way. I, I, I'm just gonna have to try and figure out a way to do it. It's kind of like when I moved to the Bay Area. It's like I don't really know how this is gonna work out, but I'm gonna try it. Like I would much rather try it and like fail or not have the desired outcome than not try it mm. and be thinking about what would have happened if I if I if I didn't do it. I was like, no, I'm gonna do this. Also, at around the same time, one of my really close friends was essentially uh, going to a similar, like a data science bootcamp in Austin. And like, we just spoke about it and we were like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like, okay. yeah. made this decision, like so you, you, you kind so, of accept change. You accept, you're kind of just adaptable. You've already got that mindset already. So it was, it was easy for you to take that risk or easier to take that risk compared to some people. Yeah, I would say definitely easier. I mean, I've, I've moved uh, a bunch of times in my life. Um, and one of the things we move so many times, you just have to be like open and like adaptable to be able to like um, move with the wind, essentially. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think it's respect. I would say it was easy. I would say it was easy because um, definitely the first month of the boot camp was challenging. Like it was like, what, like what is this speed? Like what is everything? It's like it's basically like it felt like we're on a rocket ship and everything was just like moving. I was like, whoa, wait, <laughs> like, slow down, slow down, and. Um, you know, there were some things that helped like, uh, with that process. One was obviously the fact that other people were going through that um, journey with you. Um, so you, there was that sort of that sense of community that you, you guys are sharing in this experience. Um, and also, I felt like Rhythm School had uh, a smaller, like, uh, they have small class sizes. Um, so my class size, we were 10, and there were three teachers. So that was really, really amazing. Like, that was... Um, the ratio of students to staff was really, really um, yeah amazing. So yeah, that was that something. That means, yeah, exactly. So you you know uh, that was definitely a huge plus, and that definitely eased uh, a bit of that transition, especially in the first uh, in the first month. Hmm. For sure. So then, how was the transition from? Do you feel like the boot camp? You did boot camp and you did outco, and those were yeah. kind of like two resources that prepared you to get the job. Is that right? Yeah. So at the time, Rhythm School and Alco had a partnership where once you finished Rhythm School, you would do a test. And then the test basically like gives you admission into Alco. And then you then do Alco um, to help with the job search. And yeah, I would say absolutely. They both were fantastic resources. Um, like Rhythm School definitely gave me um, not just technical foundation, but also like uh, I think one one of the really really um, key um, skills of a, being a software engineer or developer is that c being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation, if that makes sense, mm, mm -hmm. or not being comfortable, but being like uh, being a, not being not freaking out when you don't really know what's going on. Uh, you know what? Definitely some you know what Lauren said la the last podcast. She said, as a software engineer, what's really important is. You have to learn how to learn because a lot of times you don't yeah. know the answer. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like there's so many times that, um, and that's also really interesting, really exciting. So to give you context, like I was working on something about a week, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and I basically had expressed to my team how I wanted to work on this other technology, which I'd never worked on before. And my team at the time right now, we have some people on holiday, we have someone away on maternity leave. So they were like, sure, like we need, we need the help. So absolutely. Um, so someone gave me a task 
And like, I knew how to do this task in the language I know, but I had absolutely, absolutely no idea how to do it in the language that they needed me to do it in. Um, and then, but I was like, I, I trusted that I was going to be able to figure it out if I asked enough questions, if I Googled enough, if I like tried different things and that, and then at the end of, at the, end of the day, I was able to um, like deliver that feature and that, that like cycle of like, I started at this place where I didn't really know how to uh, accomplish this thing. And then I started slowly but slowly um, getting like hints or clues. And then I'm getting um, on the right track. And then when you eventually like solve the puzzle, it's a really, really energetic and it's a really like rewarding mm. experience. That's, That's what you're talking about. Like it's, it's challenging you and you're getting that challenge, which is fulfilling for you. Yeah, it's definitely fulfilling, at least for me. It's yeah. like, yeah, because I can literally look back to days ago when I didn't know how to do that thing. And then now I'm able to do it. And that f fulfillment gives me encouragement to take on even uh, more challenging tasks in that language. Nice. Because I can look back to say, oh, okay. Remember that time we did not do that thing? Well, now I can do that thing. So maybe I can do even more difficult things. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's definitely something I enjoy a lot about. Um, so tell uh, me, so I see where the jump came. Engineer. Tell me about your work now. Yeah, so uh, I work at Pinterest. Um, I am doing the apprenticeship program. Yeah, so the apprenticeship program is basically a program for people who don't have a traditional CS degree, computer science degree. Um, so it's predominantly aimed at people who either went to a bootcamp of some sort, or maybe people who learn programming from online courses, or maybe people who somehow just like cobbled together, like they read books by themselves and they just learned how to, how to, how to code. Um, and essentially the goal is that, um, the idea is that given enough support and resources and mentorship, you can convert to a full-time engineer over the course of like 12 months. Nice. So you, yeah. you, yeah. So that's basically what I'm doing. It's been about six, seven months for me. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely have been enjoying it a lot. That's sweet. Um, what kind of, what kind of stuff do you do? Or like, could, you could, could you tell us or? Yeah, I could, I could, I could, I could talk about it. Um, so I would say that the first thing I worked on when I joined, um, was to basically build an internal tool to replace something that was happening manually. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, literally before I was there, like there was a specific process that um, if, let's say you wanted to, let's say you want to ask me for an Apple, this is just a contrived example. Sure. But let's say you wanted to ask me for an Apple, then you would have to like literally like go to my LinkedIn and then send me a message. Oh, hi, Toby, uh, can I have a couple of apples? And then there would be like, I would have a queue of messages asking me for apples. And then obviously I have my own work to do. And then I would come back at some point and be like, oh, I would then look at the request. I'll be like, oh, like, can I give him the two apples? How many apples do I have? You know, and then if I think I have enough apples to spare, I would then give you the apples. So basically it was it was a mm, process mm -hmm. that was- There's like animal. a lot, there's a lot of steps. There were a lot of steps and you know, my mentor at the time was like, we could have this be replaced by an app where people just come to the app. They say what they what they want to request for. The app then does the logic of saying, is this a sensible request? Like you can't ask for a billion apples if we have 10 apples because 
we don't have that. <laughs> and then uh, if it's a sensible request, we then give you the apples. So that basically frees up the the time it would have taken Got it, for fine. a person to so go through all that, manual... improve that whole process. Yeah. So that was that was that was really cool. Um, and that was a project I worked on from the from the ground up. Like I started it from the beginning, um, and it was kind of really cool to just like come to such a big company like Pinterest and then be able to like create this small thing, which is like saving like developer time. Mm. developer time equals money because yep. yeah yep. yeah so it was it was that was the first thing i worked on which was pretty cool nice. um after that i've worked on other projects um a lot of all the things i'm working on have been internal tools uh what that means is basically i'm building tools to help other engineers or other engineering managers be more productive at their work um one of the things i'm working on is to help provide more visibility into um, uh, certain like processes. Um, like, mm -hmm. yeah, so basically like it, it, essentially my team, we are like a, in some ways like a multiplier team because like our goal is to help other engineers and other people like multiply the efforts because Got if it. they can move faster, we can, we can, if they can move faster, if they can have less friction, if you can, uh, also save money in terms of infrastructure because uh, yeah. infrastructure, really, yeah. Yeah, infrastructure is really expensive. Um, so if we can, that's kind of how we see our wins um, in terms of saving time, in terms of improving efficiency, in terms of uh, reducing costs. Um, no, that's good that's work. Kind of how, yeah, I think it's important. So, it makes the business faster, better, all of that stuff. What are some of the challenges in your job? Like, oh man, there are challenges all the time. <laughs> but um, I would say. Could you tell us? Tell, so tell me one example. Um, one I, I already mentioned one, which was like the new language, um, which is was very different to the languages I knew. Um, another challenge. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, one challenge I had initially was um, I was so I predominantly know JavaScript. Um, and the team I joined was more an infrastructure type, uh, infrastructure team or data team. And there was less, uh, expertise of JavaScript in that, in that team. Um, so basically I needed to go to meet other people in other teams to try and get more feedback and to get more like support in terms of best practices for the language that I, the language that I do know. Um, but that was something that I was able to like overcome by again reaching out to people so like that's good so that's good uh, that other people are willing to help you out oh yeah and that's mm -hmm. something that would definitely like plug the pinterest uh apprenticeship for like i have always felt like um of course like you're gonna challenges are gonna happen for sure but i've always felt at every point like um at least i knew someone i could ask in order to point me in the right direction um that person may not have the answer but they may know the person who may know the answer or who like has a better idea of like things. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, when you join such a big company, like, you know, we have, I think we have 1500, I don't, I don't know how many, we, we're a big company, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's Pinterest. Yeah. You join a, a big company and it's like, Whoa, there's all these people, there's all these like engineers. Um, and like being able to just, um, seek, uh, resources is definitely, uh, I think an undervalued, undervalued um 
skill or asset. Skill, yeah, I guess. And it's something so. that I, I have. It's not like natural. Like there's sometimes you're like, oh, I don't really know who to ask, but you know, it's it's better to ask anyone yeah. that's. And I always not feel like you always had like that go-to person at work that you could always go to and ask questions and. Sometimes I don't want to, like, I feel like people don't want, or like myself, don't want to ask too much questions because I don't want to be a, a pest. But every once in a while, we got that coworker. It's like, okay, I know I could go to him for like everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like also the apprenticeship program, they know that you're, you're like, you don't have a lot of experience. Um, so if the team was hiring an apprentice, they most likely are ready to provide the support for that apprentice. Mm-hmm. Or else, why else do they want the apprentice? You know, like yeah, you know, they're here. Yeah, they want to see you win. Yeah, yeah, because you know, you developing and you you developing your skills, you getting more autonomy, you getting um, you it, it all it ultimately ends you providing value to the team. So it's ultimately in their best interest um, to kind of help you get set up to help answer the questions. Because even the most experienced engineers, they still need um, some support when they join. A big company like Pinterest because we have our own way of doing things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that's cool. Um, yeah. What's the next step for you? Like, what's the next uh, goals you have in mind? Um, I have a bunch. So in terms of work-wise, uh, definitely the first one is uh, uh, definitely to keep developing like my uh, like the breadth of skills. Um, so predominantly, I. I, so when I was at Rhythm School, I learned both front-end and back-end. Um, like, I was full-stack JavaScript. Um, but majority of my time at Pinterest has been more front-end type work. Um, so one thing I would, I've been working on more frequently is more back-end type tasks um, at, at, um, at Pinterest. So definitely, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Ex- expanding the breadth of my skills, getting more comfortable with different languages like Java, I'm also doing learning a bit of a Go right now, which is completely different to JavaScript. Um, and the next goal will be converting, uh, converting to full time. Um, and then after that, um, I would longer term try and see um, like which area of the stack I would want to like specialize in, or if I want to keep on trying to be more full stack. If that makes sense. Yeah. Got um, it. I definitely wanted to like explore. It's like, like do I want to be more full stack? Do I want to over have more of a overseeing a lot of different parts, or do I want to be more specialized in a specific area? Yeah, exactly. And as a developer, you always have to keep learning. There's always new stuff to learn. There's always like new technologies, so you always have to be on your toes. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's never like a there's never like a point of oh I've made it. <laughs> it's always like uh, <laughs> always got, okay, always constantly this. learning. There's always gonna be a new language that comes out. And you're gonna have to learn that new yeah. one again. Yeah, or a new framework, or yeah, some yeah, some new um, concept. So yeah, I get you. That's what Lauren said. That's what my buddies who are in programming always say too. They're always constantly learning because there's always something new coming out. But that's what's yeah, up. With a lot exactly. of respect to uh, to the work you do. Uh, you're saying that uh, the boot camp really helped you. Uh, Cost wise, what do you think about that? Uh, so the. I went to Rhythm School. Rhythm School is one of the more expensive boot camps. Um, they do offer scholarships. Um, they offer during different uh, cohorts. They offer different scholarships. So I think in my class there were a couple uh, women-only uh, scholarships, and I think they've had different criteria for scholarships over time. 
Oh, but one thing good. I one thing I would say is Rhythm School offers a hundred percent tuition refund if you don't get a job after six months. If you can mm. prove obviously that you were actually like doing the work, right? They're not gonna give you a refund if you didn't do any work and get a job. Um, so that was something that gave me a bit of confidence in the sense that, you know, yeah, it's a bit more expensive, um, but they are so confident in the not only the skills, but um, they're giving you technical and non-technical that they believe that you will definitely find a job. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that gave me a bit more confidence. Um, also the smaller class size um, is definitely a huge benefit. Uh, and they do partner with, they partner with a, a couple of loan providers. So, you know, you can finance your loan. I didn't, I financed my loan. Um, yeah. I think most people did, um, yeah. Um, I was really skeptical about that because I'd, I'd read a lot about, you know, bootcamp model and like how people were talking about, you know, uh, just how I think there were like 17,000 bootcamp grads last year or something like that. Yeah, I'm hearing so much like coming out like online, Facebook ads. Yeah. I'm like, there's one here, there's one here. So it's like yeah. I think people got to be a little um, smart to figure out which one's right for them. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Um, that's it, man. Hey, I really appreciate you uh, t telling me your story, dude. I think it's really cool. A lot of respect to the hard work you put in. And good Thank luck you. with the rest of uh, what happens. And we'll definitely stay in touch. I'm following you on Twitter yeah. and stuff. I, I, I like what you've got going on, your philosophies. And and any, any person that knows Josh to me, I became a fan of Josh, <laughs> not only after his presentation, <laughs> but when I watched his- You became his, a fan of Josh. Yeah, I, I, I became a fan. Not like a super fan, like I'm a groupie, like, hey, you know, it's more like, hey, but that's what's up. I respect the guy. But after I watched his TED Talk, that's when I was like, I just like the way yeah. he thought. So, And I always believe in iron sharpens iron and your vibe is your tribe. So it's mm -hmm. like just knowing that, hey, like I'm going to try to see what I could do to bring value to him. And mm -hmm. I'm always here to ask if maybe there's something he might be able to provide me with. But just keeping that real relationship going on, I think it's important. And um so yeah, just happy to kind of meet him, to meet you, meet Lauren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah same respect thing, what man. You guys are doing. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely respect the hustle and like, you know, I know it's not easy to like try and create podcasts and like try and create a brand and just try to, you know, venture into the unknown, on the unknown. So yeah, definitely. Good luck to you. I'm sure we're gonna stay in touch. So yeah, um, man. And if there's anything sure. I could do to to help you, feel free to reach out to me. Let me know. And if any of the, li the listeners want to contact you, um, how should they yeah, do so, so? Unless you're like, no way, keep my information blank. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Tw Twitter is a good way. LinkedIn is a okay. good way. Um, I'll, I'll add those, those in the descriptions. The okay. I'll add those two yeah. on, on the descriptions. Yeah. All right. That's what's up, man. Thanks cool. so much, yeah. Toby, for, for chatting, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. All right, man. All right, listeners. All take right. care. If you guys enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me to leave a comment or message me and just tell me what you think. It's the fuel that keeps me going. You can find me on any of my socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Work Talk Podcast. And you guys have a good one. Take care.